Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hello, everybody. This is Judy Sedgman, and I'm here with my wonderful friend, Christine Heath. And today, uh, we're, we're going to talk to you about the magical quality of insight. And um, this is this is so uh, central to the work that we do in the three principles. It is it is like the uh, it is it's the actual engine that drives change is our ability to, as individual people, quiet down, see things for ourselves, have insight that are life changing. And in the work that we do, we can't ever tell. We we can't predict when it's going to happen. We can't make it happen. We all we can do is set the stage for it to happen because uh, change is, comes from the inside. It comes from us. It comes from this sort of magical moments when suddenly we we find stillness, we find quiet, we find wisdom, and we get thoughts that sudden just enlighten us. They give us a whole new perspective on something that's been bothering us. And that's very different, you know, when I was, Chris and I have been talking about that, it's very different from in traditional psychology where often patients get very attached to the idea that I have to have this particular therapist, but this is the best therapist for me because this person is helping me change, they're changing me, you know, and every time I go to the therapist, uh, they, they do something for me. And actually, nobody can really do anything for any of us. You know, it's very temporary if they do. It's like getting a massage. You know, you feel better for a little while, but it's not a cure. It doesn't, it's not a long lasting thing. But what we can do is we can, you know, really come from a real faith in the health in people, from trust in the, in the insights, because we've had insights ourselves. That's how we got into this. Uh, and we know it's human quality to have them. We know it's possible for everybody and really believe in people's well-being. And in that, in that setting, you know, people do quiet down. They get more hopeful. They get more, uh, I don't know, at ease about themselves and whatever their problems don't look as big to them. But it's not anything we're doing. It's just the feeling state that we're coming from and the faith that we have. And we see it in ourselves. Whatever we have, everybody else has too. And, and that's, that to me is the most beautiful part of this work. And it's the thing, I think it's what keeps all of us going is that we, we don't ever get discouraged about our clients. You know, we know they, they may take them a while, but we know that that insight is moment away. You just never know when it's going to happen. One of the things I always tell my clients that if I could fix them, I would be super wealthy and the world would be a totally different place. Sure. We would have fixed them by now. Yeah. If it was possible for another human being to fix another human being, believe me, I would have figured out a way to do it. But you cannot. You can only change yourself. And so if you want to change your life, you've got to change yourself. Like in our domestic violence program, we had a um, a, uh, a guy that worked for me. His name was Louis Pavel. Love the guy. And in fact, he's going to start doing some uh, uh, tapes for me for this program I'm setting up. And uh, 
I'm really excited about it. And he was, he, he, he would, each week would be a different topic and people, the men would come and they would always show up for the week that he had, uh, how to change your wife. <laughs> because in their minds, they all needed to change their wife and then they wouldn't have this anger problem, right? And you know, everybody showed up every week. Every time he did that, everybody, nobody missed for any reason. And it's just this way that as a human being, sometimes we think we need to be fixed or somebody else needs to be fixed. And if they could just be fixed, then we'd be happy. Then we'd find that mystical, magical space within. But it doesn't come that way. It only comes by turning around and looking at that deeper consciousness. And then the magic comes into your life. Then you move into this space that's very different from getting an intellectual insight. So a lot of therapists and traditional people in, in psychology are going for intellectual insight. So like, oh, I see this is why I am the way I am because I was abused from, you know, the fifth grade to the seventh grade. Like, okay, now I understand why this is all happening, but that does not create mental well-being. It does not create a shift in consciousness. But when you wake up to the fact that you've been living in a trauma that happened 20 years ago, and that that's now just thought, you re really wake up to that. This whole experience happens within you. And it's just a huge relief and release to me. It's just like this feeling kind of bubbles up and you're like, oh my God, that was my thinking. Oh my God, there's nothing wrong with me right now. And that, that kind of awakening that people get is very different from figuring things out. Now, I'm not saying that figuring things out, you know, and understanding things intellectually isn't helpful from time to time, but it won't create um, a transformation in you. Right. Yeah, that, that's a deeper experience. You know, the intellect is sort of like the surface. It, you know, it's the logic, the reason, the, you know, the connecting the dots, that kind of thing. But insight is a, is a spiritual experience. It comes from somewhere very deep. And it's not, um, it's not, I'm not saying there's no logic behind it. Sometimes insights are true logic. You know, you see something go, oh my gosh, that's the whole story. But um it doesn't come from sorting it out in your mind. It comes from wisdom that just occurs to you in a different state of mind as your consciousness lifts. And so, yeah, you gotta, you've got to be, be careful to tell the difference, kind of, you know, don't give up. Like I have a friend, and she's a Jungian therapist. And she's an acquaintance, actually, from years ago. And she was telling me, we were talking about clients, and she said, she said, yeah, I've had the same 20 clients for the last 30 years. I was like, what? And she said, yep, that's, that's what I do. I don't have to like worry about getting referrals. I have the same people all the time. And so you know that what they're doing is they're just coming in and rehashing their week or rehashing their life or kind of going over intellectually what they're seeing and how their life is working out now. Now, that's what's different about what we do is we're teaching people the idea that an insight can transform them. 
and being aware aware of that or awake to that, people start to see things differently. They listen differently. They're not going, they're going over the same stuff in their head with different people in different situations, but it's the same story. So that to me, like that's a, that was a huge shift, seeing that with just by pointing people toward their health, by talking a little bit about how thought works, by understanding state of mind, and just seeing kind of how consciousness and thought work together to create experience that people would have these shifts that went way beyond anything I had ever seen in my career. Now, I'm not saying that people never got any better with me. They did, but it was now that I think back, but it's kind of by the, by the, by their own health that they did because they wanted to feel better because it was certainly wasn't anything I was doing with them. But we talk about their past and if they'd get, they'd feel better and then they'd go back into it and we talk about their past again and then they get better and we go back into it. You know, it, it was just this constant analysis of what's, what's wrong with me and how many diagnoses can I get and like trying to fix and, and understand stand ourselves or our world, but from a place of insecurity. You know, it's funny. I, I, I've sort of gotten into the habit. My, my father was a lawyer, and I remember when, um, when he taught me the meaning of the word stipulate. You know, when I remember, I thought that was such a funny word when I was a kid. I heard the word on some legal thing, and he taught me the word. And I thought, now essentially what I do with my clients is I stipulate that, oh, yeah, shit happens, and you had some tough times. You know, which means, all right, stipulate in court means, okay, I'm agreeing that that happened. I'm not, we're not arguing details of that. That's not the point. And so, uh, and I kind of gotten in the habit of doing that rather than going back over the same thing again and again, because what we're waiting for is for a person to have the insight that it's over, you know, and the only way to come back is if they think about it more. Yeah. And that's not to say that you don't listen to them. Right. But listening to the same thing over and over again you you know that the person's not going to get an insight from going over their memories right yeah because an insight is seeing something from within to see from within and so you see something new and different and when you what you see isn't about the content of your thinking or about your memory what you see is that it's just thought in some way shape or form and that you're the thinker and you see it's about life not about you it's about you know what happens in life mm -hmm. and you know we all have the same you know we're all different in the sense that we have different experiences different thoughts about it different you know different everything so we're all unique individuals and we all think differently we can see the same thing very differently but what we have in common is that no matter what we're experiencing we're making it up as we go and it's whatever came to mind and the state of mind we were in that looked real to us at that moment. And people have, I don't think anybody gets through life without some terrible experience. You know, some people have a lot worse experiences than others over a longer period of time. But the goal in life is when you're, if you survive a terrible experience is to be able to go on with your life and be a happy person. And not have it haunt you, you know, and I, I, I talk a lot to, you know, like veterans with PTSD and they'll say, but, you know, these terrible things happen. War is awful. And I'm going like, okay, I'll stipulate war is hell. It's terrible. Yeah. 
horrible things happen in war. You do things you never thought you'd ever do. People do things in your presence that you thought you'd never see. That's all true. But right now you're sitting in a meeting room with a bunch of guys that you really like and you're safe and, and it's over and you're out of the service. Or if you're in the service, you're stationed somewhere else. And in the present moment, you're safe and this isn't happening. So when you bring it up again, all you're doing is you're bringing that experience into this room, but it's not part of this room. But it's for you now. It's happening in your head. And people will say, well, how are you supposed to forget those things? Well, we're not asking people to forget their memories. We don't ever say, I never say to somebody, yeah, you'll, you'll forget all about that, you know, murder you witnessed. I don't think so. But you'll see it different. A perspective. And that's what we're hoping for, is that when you see a memory as a thought carried through time, that when you bring it up, it comes to be looking real again. Then, then you're free, because when the memory comes to mind, you can make a decision about it. Do I really want to think about this again, or do I realize just it needs to go back on the shelf? You know, it's like pulling a book off a library shelf. Instead of like, oh, this is ruining my life, this memory keeps coming back. And I, I think that um, that's, that's an, that's, now I can tell you that, and logically you can say, yeah, 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 yeah. But at some point, in my experience, everybody suddenly sees it. And the moment of seeing it is so different from just hearing about it. Yeah, and that's what Sidney Banks calls in, in Second Chance, you know, that book he wrote? That's really great. If any of you haven't ever read any of the books by Sidney Banks, you should read them. But in Second Van Chance, he calls he talks about seeing with a, a capital S and seeing with a small s. So seeing something is when you see from within, from that healthy space in you, and you recognize that you've been tricked by your thoughts and that that's all it is, is thought. And when you see that, you drop into a feeling that's unbelievable. It's the most magical um it feels like you're being transported on a magic carpet. Yeah. You know, it's just the most beautiful, wonderful feeling in the world. And as you wake, awaken to that and you see that that's the feeling actually that you can live in much of the time, most of the time, but you have to stay in that space of, of insight, of seeing things fresh and new moment to moment, which we can do. Now we go to sleep. Sometimes we get caught up in our thinking, we get caught up in it. So, I'll tell you the story about a, a woman that um, is um, had an abortion years ago in her life. And she, um, at the time, she was, you know, it was one of those times she got totally drunk. First time she'd ever been with a man, didn't use protection, got pregnant. At the time, she had an abortion. She felt fine about it. So now 40 years later in her life, she's listening to... Um, herself and she's trying to figure out why she's so anxious. So she's going back in the past, coming up with like, oh, this happened and that happened and this happened and had herself so convinced that that it was this abortion that she'd had when she was really young. And so I had to remind her, I said, you know, like when you had that, did that feel like the, the right thing to do? She goes, Well yeah, but you know, I'm Catholic and I'm Irish and I said, Well, okay, so did it still seem like the right thing to do? Well yeah, it did. And, and then I said, okay, so if that was the right thing to do then, why are you second-guessing yourself now? Because there's nothing you can do about that, and that's not the cause of your unhappiness now. 
It's thinking that you thought wrong back then that you think is the problem you're having now. And and she's like, oh, yeah, that's true. Like when I'm in a good mood, I don't even think about that. It's just when I sit down and try to figure out why I'm miserable that I end up thinking about that. Yeah, you know, it is amazing. I had a similar type thing. I had a student back years ago at WBU, and she was in my class, and, and I taught a class called Prevention Through Resilience but it was about the three principles. And um, so she called me one day and asked for an office appointment. And she came in and she said, you know, I, I really like your class. I'm getting a lot out of it. But she said, I, you know, I just, I can't bring myself to have compassion for my mother. And my mother is ill. And I, I just don't like to spend time with her because when I was young, she wasn't there for me. And she said, I just kind of hold it against her. I have this grudge. And she said, I feel it. And the more I'm in your class, I'm thinking there's something something about that I don't understand. So I said, well, um, in what way wasn't she there for you? And she said, uh, well, you know, we were poor and um, my father left us and there were three of us and, and mom and she had to work really hard to keep it together. And you know, she, we couldn't get, we, she didn't give us much and she really didn't have time for us. She was so tired when she came home and she's telling me this whole story. And I said, Oh gosh, you know, your mom, that must've been really hard for her to have these three beautiful children at home and know she couldn't spend much time with them. And I just blurted that out, you know, cause I was, as a mother, I was thinking, Oh, that would be terrible. And, um, and she said, Oh, Oh my gosh. She said, my mom probably suffered because she probably missed us. And I said, I don't know. I said, you know, have you ever discussed it with your mom? She said, no. I just assumed she didn't care that much about us. So her mom is now ill and is going to die. She had cancer and, you know, the doctors said she had so much time. And this girl was feeling like she really needed to get together with her mom. And I said, well, you do what your common sense tells you to do, but you know, honestly, you're, you're kind of onto something. So about three weeks later, she comes into my office and she's just radiant. And what she had done is she went, her mom was having a better, you know, how people go in and out of pretty good days and not so good days. Well, her mom was kind of having a better day. And she said, mom, I'd like to take you on a picnic. And her mom said, oh, outside, could we go to a park? And she said, yes. And she said her mom was all like a little kid. She said she was so excited. So she got her, she packed a picnic of all her favorite, her mom's favorite foods and everything. And they took her mom on a picnic. And she said, uh, mom, I've been thinking, I didn't really understand you when I was a little girl. And, and her mom said, you didn't. And she said, no, she said, I'm sorry. I really didn't understand how hard you had to work to keep our family together. She said, I didn't understand work or money. I was just a little girl and I didn't understand why you didn't weren't there to read us stories and why you didn't take us on picnics like this and why we couldn't do things and why I didn't have nicer clothes. And and she said, and I kind of never kind of thought it through. And her mom said, well, I never really explained it to you either. I never felt that I should share my problems with my girls. I felt like I just had to, bear the brunt of it, you know, and do what, do what I had to do. And she said, I probably should have talked to you. I probably should have been more honest. And they had this lovely talk and they ended up hugging and, 
and they took a little walk in the park. And she said, you know, my, my, my mom said to me, this has been the very best day of my life as your mother. Oh, so happy. And she said, I'm going to take my mom on more picnics before she dies. I'm going to wait for her good days and I don't care what I have to cancel. I'm going to do it. And I said, you know, that's the nicest thing you could do for yourself as well. But, you know, all that happened is that she had a simple insight, you know, and when people, honest to God, it's just life changing and thrilling. I've never seen a young woman as radiant and happy to have found that moment of peace and love with her mom, who she just missed as a little girl. She just missed her mom. She loved her mom. She didn't know how to express it. And what a gift to this mother that she didn't have to die, you know, separate from and feeling alienated from her daughter who lived right down the street. You know, so I, I mean, honestly, I mean, that's just a story and everybody's life is different, but the, it is transformational to have these simple moments of spiritual truth that just come to mind. And it's so the difference between an insight and logic is when you get an insight, you think, yes, that's it. You know, and when you make a logical connection, you think, yeah, but... <laughs> Yeah, that could be true. Maybe that's true, but there's this other thing. You know, the difference between an intellectual insight and a true insight is a true insight is it comes to you as something you can't deny. That that's that's it for me. That that explains it. Yeah, I was going to say that's a that's the thing that's important. I think is that it comes from within you. The spiritual is the within you. It's not like it comes from your stomach or your you know, intestines, it, it comes from your spirit, from your soul. And when that comes through you, you, you can feel like the knowing, you know, like you know with a capital K versus knowing like, I know, I know, I know. And so it's, it's trusting that your wisdom will come through. And when that happens, there's, there's a magic about that too, isn't there? Like when it comes to you. And I think sometimes you know, you and I have been doing this for a long time, and I think we, I don't know, maybe it's not, maybe just me, but it's like there's a way I don't really, um, I've gotten used to the magic. Not that I don't appreciate it, but when you first start to tap into that, it is like so like, wow, where did this come from? Yeah. And then you kind of settle into it so your life isn't much easier and much more flowing, but I think that's, that's something that you definitely don't get from analyzing your problems or from doing techniques or from any of the other things that traditional psychology has is the power of the spirit to awaken and what that does to a human being to make a beautiful, magical life without effort. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the joy of this, this understanding, really. The joy for me is that I, I, can, I can hope and notice and see these things when I have these insights, which we still do. But also just to be able to see, I used to, I used to tell people, you know, I feel as though every day I'm watching flowers bloom. You know, have you ever seen the slow motion pictures of a flower opening? You know, they, they used to be, there was one photographer, I can't remember his name now, that got famous doing these things. And I remember when I saw the saw it when I was living in Laconer, and somebody showed it, 
film of tulips opening. And, you know, tulips are kind of ordinary looking when they're a bud. And then they open up and they have this incredibly beautiful interior. You know, there's always different color around the base of the tulip. And sometimes the petals have different edges. And as they open, they get more and more beautiful. And I said, that's the way I feel about my clients. As they open to insights, they become like a flower blooming and they become more and more beautiful and more and more inspiring and more and more touching. And, you know, it just becomes a thrill to be in their presence. And um, I've really never talked to anybody that does any other kind of therapy that has said something like that. <laughs> People have no. laughed, as a matter of fact, colleagues that I've met, you know, that are also psychologists, but don't know anything about our work. They'll go, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. 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 If they frequently say, oh, this is boring. It's the same thing. I'm so tired of listening to people's problems. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Nothing changes. I'm like, really? Like, that is like so not true for my work. It's like, it's so exciting. I can't wait to see what, what they're going to be like the next week. You know, like, okay, what's happening? I'm waiting for another miracle all the time. And, you know, it's it's kind of a very different experience, which is why you and I can do this podcast at our age. And uh, it's, it's all fresh and new. Yeah, that's true. And speaking of that, we've come to the end of another one. So... Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Remember that you can join our groups anytime you'd like to. They're on Wednesdays and Thursdays. You can pick a time and uh, check it out on the website if you think you'd like to come to group. And now what's happened is some of the people that have been coming to group for a while, we're starting to see them have these changes, you know, in front of everybody. (laughs) You know, the whole group kind of goes, oh, wow. (laughs) You know, it's really touching. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to come and just listen, you can do that. You can come and talk. You can come and share. It's like whatever your, whatever the spirit moves you to do is fine with us. Absolutely. So we'll see you soon. Aloha. Take care. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 